Welcome to the Thanks Therapy podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Hannah Lydon. And I'm Emma Lydon, and this is our Therapy Appreciation Podcast. Thanks, Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. And today, Hannah, in our very first episode, we are going to start right at the beginning with how to get started with therapy. Are you ready? I'm very ready. Thanks, Therapy. Thanks, Therapy. That's an Andy Dwyer special. That's it's so good. Jingle. It's really good. <laughs> um, okay, so first of all, I thought we should introduce ourselves mm. and um, what brought us here to be doing a therapy podcast. You go first with your introduction. Okay, I will go first. I was not prepared for that, but okay. Um, so I am a research psychologist and practitioner specializing in parental mental illness. I've recently finished my PhD it was super good fun. I nearly went mental. But it was good. It was really good. I read a lot. I actually read a lot of it and I thought it was very excellent. Thank you. I appreciate that. You'll be one of the five people who will ever, ever read my PhD. I, I love it. I really love reading other people's PhDs. Tell us the title. The title is Family's Experience of Parental Mental Illness in Northern Ireland, a Social Phenomenological Study. I knew the first part, but I couldn't remember a social phenomenological study. Yeah, that's that's one of my favourite bits of the title. Um, Smart stuff. So, and I'm a mother to two lovely boys, and <laughs> I live here in Belfast with uh, my partner Marty and um, my two boys, as I said. Oh, my three boys, sorry, the dog Jack. We have the dog. I can't forget about Jack, my oh. lovely Jack. Um, and, um, yeah, and I'm a fan of therapy. What about you, Hannah? Um, big time fan of therapy also, mm. which is the main reason that we're doing this. Yeah. Um, I am about to start a master's in psychology because mm-hmm. I would like to be a therapist in my, when I grow up. Yeah. I'm nearly 30. <laughs> um, yes, you would be a brilliant therapist as we know and have discussed many that's times. That's the goal. And I am also a barista. Yes. What else do I do? Well, you're my niece as well. Yes. We should explain our relationship. We should explain how we know each other. You're my auntie. I am your auntie. You're my mum's sister. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's only 10 years between us. Yes. Which is not that long. It's not that long Especially when you're our ages. Mm Mm-hmm. I think when when you were 20 and I was 10. That was a big gap then at that stage, yeah. We didn't hang out in the same way. No, I looked after you then. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. No problem. You I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're you know we can go to like restaurants together now. Yeah. And like and bars. Yeah. And bars. Yeah. And do things like this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I look after your children. Yeah. Well, not so much anymore that they're like taller than me, but yeah, they can look after themselves a lot now. But um, but that was not. I like doing that. Yeah. And I love therapy. I love going to therapy. I love talking about therapy. Whenever friends ask me what to do in therapy, I'm like, yes, let me talk about it. And I love thinking about therapy and helping other people go to therapy. Yeah. I have recently done that for like three people. And I love being the person that they're like, oh, I kind of want to go to therapy. Who should I ask? And I love that they think of me and ask me. Mm -hmm. So, Well, clearly your views on therapy have already been made clear to people. And people are already like, Want to know about therapy? Ask Hannah. But from now on, <laughs> yeah. they'll be like, oh yeah, and she's got a podcast about no, she's therapy. Got a therapy podcast? God, she's, like, chill she out loves about therapy. It. No, but it's true. I and, do love um, it. yeah, we were very grateful to therapy, and that's, that's really what brought this about. Um, and so I wanted to start by asking you, Hannah, mm-hmm. imagine you're a person. And I can't imagine. <laughs> try and imagine very, <laughs> think very hard about it. 
and you think to yourself, I am feeling bad in some way. Mm. I would like to speak to someone about that. What would you do? So that's a good question. I have both been that person and been the person who people come to to say, listen, I want to go to therapy. Yeah. Um, and so what do you tell them when they come to you? I tell them, great. I love it. Yes. Thank you for telling me about this. I'm so in support. And then I say, what you should do is go online and yeah. look up. Don't just Google like therapy because <laughs> you'll get book. It'll be self-help books and probably that's not going to be that useful to you at this stage. Mm. Um, and you can often find like, especially in Northern Ireland, there's one specific, I have like the link on my phone and mm. it's like a directory. Yes. And it lists... You the know, NI counselling directory. Yes, that's yeah. exactly the one. Yeah. Um, and it lists like their name, where they practice, their prices, who they see, and um, their availability. And more specifically, it lists their kind of practice. Yeah. Um, what do you call that? Mm, their discipline. Discipline. Mm, yeah. Discipline. So, say if they if they do CBT, if they specialize in like body image, um career path Mm. so whatever like thing you're struggling with or maybe you don't have a specific thing and you just have like I'm so sad there'll be a person on there who's like general sadness I help you with that yes um but the thing is about that especially in my experience like I've been like oh I'm I'm super sad I need to do something about this immediately like it needs to happen today Mm. and I think by the time a lot of people decide to see a see a therapist Mm. they are already in the like oh my god everything is um doomed kind of stage and that's why it's hard so this is what I always say is you should recruit someone to be like hey I am doing this this is my idea I'm gonna go and see a therapist tell someone don't just like sit down at your computer by yourself that's a brilliant idea by yourself because it's so hard because you're probably already depressed Yes. Which makes things That's really interesting concept. So recruit someone as a supporter of your therapy journey. So you're yeah. essentially saying, help me, facilitate me doing this. Yeah. And in that way, then you can you can stand to wait a little bit longer. It doesn't have yeah. to happen that day because you've recruited somebody into the yeah. into this issue that you're having. And you're not going, oh, this is a crisis situation and I must fix it alone. Yeah. Because that's extremely hard it is hard and I did want to come back to the crisis issue later um but I want to just say from a practical point of view that there's a few registers that you could um look at if you were seeking a therapist and we will always put in um in the notes and the links of of this podcast we will put links to um, numbers that you can ring and get instant talk to somebody instantly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crisis line. I didn't even think um, about any of that. I just oh, thought yeah. about like uh, what your attitude attitude should be. No, um, I just wanted to say a practical point of view that people can go to the NI counselling directory and you will get a list of counsellors who have qualified in some way, shape, or form. And we'll we'll talk more about um, things like that in future episode. Probably, I don't think we can touch on it today in terms of exact qualifications. Um, and you can go to the BACP register and you can find people who are registered with the BACP, which is the um, British Associate- Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy. Yes. Equally, you can go to the IACP and find people who are registered with the Irish Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy. Um, the psychologist has a register of practitioners as well. Um, is that so- a magazine? Yeah. Psychology, the psychologist or psychology today has psychology a register. Today it's psychology today. Yes. Cause yeah. I, that's, I think that's where I find my therapist. Hmm. Um, so those registers, there's not a guarantee that that person is going to be a perfect fit for you or extremely highly qualified or exactly what you're looking for. One of the things is there is no guarantees with that. Yeah. You know, you do have to shop around Can't a little bit beforehand. But then being on a register is a good start than being on some kind of register. Um, often if they're a <coughs> member of an organization, um, they have to adhere to the code of ethics of that organization. So for example, I'm a member of the British Psychological Society and I have to adhere to their code of ethics in order to 
call myself a psychologist in order to practice. I am bound by their code of ethics by being a member. That sounds good. It is good. Yes, it's and and I think most people take that very seriously. I don't know anybody who's like, ah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so you can stick your code of ethics. What did I tell you? I hope not. No, I mean, just to reassure people out there, there's very few people who would be uh, have that attitude at all. But um, we're talking. I've just kind of thought we're talking more about. Um, we're not really talking about go to your GP. They will put you on a waiting list for CBT. Ah, that's that a good is point. An option yes, as well. that is totally an option. I feel of like course. we should mention that because that takes ages. It does, yeah. And you don't really know how long you're going to wait, and probably that brings into the discussion. Your GPA will probably be like, well, "Would you like to try tablets?" And people have mixed feelings about that. So we're talking more about like, I want to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. I've maybe tried the CBT thing for six weeks. It was fine. I find myself back in the same spot. I want something different. We're talking yeah. about that, aren't we? No, 100%. And I think that there's an element of privilege in that and um, accessibility that we have gained through our knowledge of therapy. Yes. And one of the Very things so. that we've realized in planning this podcast and talking about it is that a lot of people do not have the information about therapy that we take for granted about yes. having, you know, yeah, about yeah. understanding the process, not just of how to find a therapist, but what therapy is, what it what it does, what different types are, you know. Yeah. You pointed out to me the other day that somebody you were talking to didn't really realise that there were different types of therapy or they weren't sure what type of therapy they were going to. Yes, and that was eye-opening for me, but I, I had sort of encouraged this person to attend therapy and they sold it themselves and then they reported back said oh I had my first session it was brilliant and I said what what um what discipline is it or what do they practice and they were like what it's Mm. just therapy I don't know and I was like oh I want to know whether it's like analysis psychodynamic is it CBT yeah play therapy like where are they coming from so I just thought that everybody knew those terms Mm -hmm. and probably loads of people do but um that is if you kind of don't know that going into your quest for therapy, you don't, you don't know that. You don't know that. And so. it's okay. You don't need to, it will, you know, you don't need to know it for it to work, but yeah. also, um, it really helps. <laughs> it can help. Yeah. It can help to know what you're, what you, what would be good for your specific problems. Sometimes yeah. that means that having a gateway organization or person such as a GP can not only be really helpful because they can say, Oh, look, do you know what? I mean, you're, you seem to be feeling very anxious and you're struggling to do this and that. We can give you a course of CBT that, you know, we have, we have lots of it. We provide it here in the trust, mm. you know, and, um, CBT is cognitive behavioral <laughs> therapy. I keep having to remember to do the, to actually say the thing out. Yeah. Rather CBT. than just the shorthand. Cognitive behavioral therapy, which is generally delivered in a course of a set number it's a course of sessions yeah. yeah and um part of that is because of how uh counseling and talking therapy has been funded and has been sort of medicalized by by the yeah. um by the trust but it's it's fine there's there's pros and cons to all of those things i think being able to access something for free that's going to help you know address a problem quite quickly is only going to be a good thing yes i would never want to put anybody off trying anything what no matter what it is oh no way like i only know that i want to go to psychodynamic therapy because i did cbt and it wasn't good for me yes so it can help to know that what you don't want it just uh, as much as absolutely um and so i actually have some stats because when you were saying there about going to a gp um, they might talk about medication. Like if you go and say, I'm feeling really bad. I cannot lift my mood. Um, I'm anxious all the time. I can't sleep. One of the first things that they might say is, um, well, you know, would you like to try medication? Would you like to try an antidepressant, beta blocker, um, you know, yeah. some kind of mild sedative or something like that? Mm. Um, and I decided to have a look at some t- statistics in preparation for today to find out how many people are actually going to therapy. In Northern Ireland? Well, just like, it, well, let's say it's the UK. Okay. These statistics, I think these are, these are UK statistics, right? 
um, because this is Mental Health Foundation, which does do uh, worldwide statistics, but it's mostly, it's based in the UK. So how many people do you think, what percentage of the population do you think are in therapy? Um, I'm going to guess 20. I knew that you would go high. Oh, really? (laughs) Is that high? I knew that you would go, well, I, I, I didn't think 20. I think it should be 20, really, to be oh, honest. But. I was answering that thinking, okay, I wish it was around 60, but I think <laughs> I'm going to lowball. I thought I was lowballing you there. No. So, oh, okay, so you me. know, so the statistics in terms of mental health are like... Um, Super bad. One in, one in five people will have a mental health problem diagnosed at some point in their lives. And in Northern Ireland, it's one in four. So it's oh. 25% higher or 20% higher in Northern Ireland. <sighs> Um, and the, according to the Mental Health Foundation, this particular statistic that I find, one in eight people are having psychological treatment, but most of those are using medication. Only a right. fraction of those, something like 3%, are having psychological therapy. Okay. So I was really surprised about that. 3%. So given that our estimates are that one in four people will suffer from a diagnosable mental illness during their lifetime, there's way too little actual psychological talking therapy okay. being given to people. Forgive my maths problems, one in four is 25%? One in four is 25%. So then 3%? And 3% are actually having therapy. I don't know about therapy. you, but that is not enough for It is me. not enough. I'm not happy about that. And, there and are... that's just diagnosed. That's just amongst the diagnosed. Well... The, uh, the mental health statistics, the estimates are really hard to to make because of underreporting, essentially. Yeah. So the, all of these are our best estimates based on surveying people, asking people directly. Um, we can we can we have much more exact figures about um prescribing trends because they yeah. are literal just prescribing trends that we have. There has to be a report of, but actual people who suffer from mental illnesses. The, it's really bad because there's lots of people who never go to their GP. Yeah. And there's people who access therapy who wouldn't have a diagnosable condition either. So, yeah, that's do true. you know what I mean? I, I go to the therapy diag- and I don't have a diagnosable condition. So, yeah. you know. Must be nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the diagnosable thing is um, it's complicated. But anyway, the point is 3% is fucking low. It's very low, yeah. I mean, there's obvious barriers to having therapy. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about it like, oh, go to therapy, it's yeah. great, everybody should go. Let's talk about the obvious thing is it costs money. It does. It costs so it, much money. Yeah. And we both experience this because we both go and every time I speak to anyone who wants to go, I'm like, listen, it's going to cost money, but you just have to kind of deal with it. Yeah. Like you just have to do it. If you really want to do it, you'll find a way. If it's going to be something you want to commit to in the mid to long term, that can feel like the biggest barrier aside from like time or yeah. depending on your own personal um, perspective, like stigma, yes. embarrassment, um, not wanting to alarm people. That yes. is something that I did not personally think of when I first started going, but is something that has been brought up in conversations I've had with friends. They're like, I don't want to, I don't want to freak anybody out. Yeah. I'm like, well, I think they'll be freaked out if you continue to not uh, treat your mental illness. That'll be worse. Or deal with your problems, yeah, Deal absolutely. with your problems or continue to just sort of carry on not having a good time. Um, but yeah, it would be remiss not to mention that because, you know, we're not people with loads of money, obviously. No, I mean, we're not people with loads of money, but we've prioritised some of our money for this task. And I recognise that that is a privilege that we... Oh, for have, sure. Uh, yeah. Have, have. Yeah. And there's many people who the only option is to go for free counselling. So it's not that the options for free counselling are bad. Um, yeah, yeah. You can go to any number of charity and voluntary organisations um, that exist in your local area. Um, some of the larger ones are good because you'll be seen a bit quicker. Um, there's waiting lists in lots of places, um, but that's a particular type of therapy that you're likely to get there. You're not going to get free psychotherapy through the trust or through a voluntary and charity organization. Um, But I wouldn't want to discourage anybody from doing that. I think, you know, 
I, I definitely a, approach a place like that because there's lots of caring, uh, capable, very skilled counsellors in organisations like that. Um, but there are other barriers that I think you sort of touched on a little bit with regards to stigma because there are many social and cultural norms that make it more difficult to even uh, you know admit that you have a problem never mind actually yeah. going to to seek out help and there's definitely a gender related component to that with men finding it much more difficult to admit to needing help and a much harder time engaging in therapy come you know and that comes down to the socialization of men where we you know, historically men have been encouraged to not express their feelings as much yes. as women. And, and that level of emotional intelligence means that the process can be much harder to engage in. And I do hope that that's starting to change in the younger generations. It's something certainly that I've tried to impress upon my um boys. Just the other day, actually, while I was doing the PhD, I was... um just the other day, that was quite a while ago, but um, <laughs> I was asking um, Sam, I said, you know, do you, would you think, you think it's okay to cry, right? You wouldn't be embarrassed to cry. You yeah. don't think that boys shouldn't cry or anything like that. And he was like, no, I, I know it's okay to cry. I just Aww. don't feel like crying most of the time. That's good. That's so good. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's really, nice. really good. Yeah. And also he said that they had talked about it in one of their tutorials in school. And I was like, oh, great. That's, that's really amazing. good. Yeah. Um, so men find it much more difficult to, uh, you know, engage in therapy. Um, I think that's maybe a good point to talk about why you might want or need therapy. I think we sort of touched on it. Um, but I think it's worth saying that people tend to go to therapy because they're overwhelmed by painful symptoms and they can't work out the cause. Yes, this is something that I have, I have a lot of thoughts on because, I mean, I've been attending therapy for, well, this current run, nearly four years this summer, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but I started going when I was 17, Mm -hmm. which is like over 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, and so I would walk there like every Thursday from school or something. And one, there was one day when like a kind of a classmate, not really like a friend joined me on my walk and she mm-hmm. was like, I'm going this way as well. And when she asked why I was walking that way, I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to therapy. And she was appalled, like wow. shocked, looked at me with concern. She's like, why are you doing that? Like, why are you all right? And I was like, yeah, I go every week. I'm fine today. Like. But I was just like, oh, this person thinks that's an admission of, like, things are very bad in my life. Mm. Um, so I kind of always remember that and kind of feel bad for teenage me being like, it's great. I really like it. It's good. It helps me. <laughs> um, and before that, I I hadn't really had any experiences like that. And I, I've had a few since as an adult. Um, but what I wish I could go back and say to her Mm-hmm. Is like, well, you know, do you exercise? Mm-hmm. Do you eat well? Do you brush your teeth every day? Because those things are maintenance. Yeah. And the way I view therapy now is it's maintenance. For me, personally, I probably need to go. Like, I need to go until such a time that I think, mm, I can maybe take a break from this. For other people, that's not the case. They can do a course or they can try it out or pick it up and come back to it later. That's all chill. Um, but you kind of, you don't go, why do you need to go to the gym? Like no. you're not obese. No, 100%. you don't have that approach. So I think that I'm, what I'm trying to like say to people now, anytime that kind of conversation comes up is like, well, for me, it's just like going to the gym or brushing my teeth. I just need to keep on top of it because when I first came to it, when I was a teenager, it was crisis yes. mode. And that is the worst feeling. Yeah. When you're there and you're like, oh man, like this needs to be fixed today. Yeah. And that Nothing is, good happens in there's, that space. there's two points that I want to pick up on from that. Because first of all, one of the things that, um, that I really want to come out of this podcast and come out of conversations that you now have with people, not teenage you, and yeah. the conversations that yeah. I have with people. For example, I went for brunch today and I had to make sure I said, could you come and meet me at 20 past because I have therapy before it I want to be saying that I want to normalize it it should be normalized for sure and one of the things that um you've mentioned there's the word crisis and I have a big frustration that 
people tend to leave seeking therapy until it is crisis point. Um, and then I feel like the first job of therapy is stabilization before the real work can begin. Mm. And to add to that, I think that sometimes or even often people think that the stabilization part is the therapy. Yeah. So they're in crisis. They go to therapy. They stabilize to the point of being able to get on with things mostly. And then they don't continue with the therapy. Yeah. But they've essentially used a stick and plaster in a situation where that is insufficient. Yes. Um. I, That's so true. I've not really thought about that before, actually. Yeah. Well, it's like stopping your antibiotics halfway through the course. You don't do that. Yeah. Do it, not do that. But, like, this is not any analogy anymore that don't do that because it's bad. Uh, yeah. No, serious. Treat super bugs. Serious talks now, guys. Serious. This Just is now an antibiotics. Use your, use your antibiotics wisely. But <laughs> I, I but do yeah, think that that's to, a point to make yeah. because it's it can point. be hard to, to uh, accept or want to go to therapy before you're at that crisis point. And I understand that. Yeah. But if we were more educated about the benefits of it yeah. for your well-being um, and your development as a human being in the world, yeah. then people would likely not leave it so late. Like, yeah. um, what do you call it? Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard. Is it Kristen Bell? Kristen Bell. Yeah. And yeah, Dax Shepard from Frozen and Veronica Mars and um, The Good Place. Yes. I love her. She's brilliant. Close when they, friend. yeah, <laughs> I just call her Kristen. Is Chris, it Kristen? You know Cri- Kristen. <laughs> I, sorry, is it is it Kristen or Kirsten or I I get confused about those names. She's anyway, like, oh Emma, here's funny. <laughs> um, uh, they had therapy at the start of their relationship, Aww. sort of preemptively, so they. Um, got together, they really liked each other, um, but they started to have some difficulties in their relationship and she was like, oh, okay, hold on a minute, we're going to go to therapy. And they and they went to therapy and they've talked about this openly. I so didn't they, know that. That's yeah, nice. yeah, they did it before the issues that they were sort of uh, seeing became massive problems that yeah. they would then have to deal with. At which point you would probably break up. Yeah. You'd be like, fuck this. I want to hear. Yeah. 100%. We don't like each other anymore. Yeah. We're not even going to be friends. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, Screw you, guy. <laughs> instead, they didn't do that. That's really nice. Yes. Dare I say it, I find that romantic. Hope I can go to therapy someday. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that was very romantic. It doesn't often work out as well as that but it, it, yeah. again it's because they but didn't leave it until the crisis yeah. point you can imagine if that was a different like you could have said hey i think we should go to therapy together someone who was working from a place of stigma would be like um gross i'm fine no thank you so yeah i think that's the dealing with the uncomfortable the uncomfortableness yes of it that it brings up I think that so that is a good point because once you get past the stabilization stage, once you go, okay, I am coping. I am not, I don't feel like I'm in crisis. That's when you, that's when you can do some difficult work then. And that is, as you say, uncomfortable. That's the, that's like awkward, gross, uncomfortable, tricky stuff where you're kind of like, ah. Now I have to deal with this thing that I've discovered about myself instead of just being like, right, I'm not in crisis anymore. I'll I'll continue to go back to how I was. Mm. Like, I can attest to the fact that some, like, mid-session, I'll be kind of going, ah, oh, realizing a ton of uncomfortable things about myself, like how I operate prejudice, prejudices that I have. And you can feel the urge to be like, actually, oh, you know what, cancel this. I'm not, I don't need to come back anymore because I was probably happier before I realized this, you know, thing I've been, this script I've been running off and I've got to like fix it and find yeah. an alternative or learn to live with it. Um, and I think that this is something that I mentioned to friends who are kind of asking me about therapy. I'm like, that sensation is something that never stops coming up throughout the whole process. Um, and it, it is uncomfortable. Like, you don't go to therapy and be like, yay, I mm. love it so much. Like, pr- Well, you sort of often. do, but in a you different do, way. Yeah. yeah. I have sessions where I leave and I'm like, oh, my God, that was fucking brutal. That yeah. was so hard. Now I'm sad. Mm. But then I also have ones where I leave being like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Dealing with my shit. The positive to that is I 
think back on times when I've had that feeling of session of being like, never mind, the the never mind feeling. Mm-hmm. Because I think of it, I look back on those and go, thank God I didn't quit yeah. at that stage. And thank God I persevered. Um, because my life now is often measurably better, having resolved those things that I previously thought were too big or too scary or too embarrassing to deal with or things that I thought like, I'll never, I'll never get a grip on that. Like, yeah, now I do have a grip on those things. My point, I think my point is be honest, do the work, uh, get gross. Get in there. Get yeah, into the get gross. Parts of don't your be brain. don't be afraid to. I think the 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 fantastic thing for me about that bit where you get to do the work is do it's work. an it's an ongoing journey for a start, right? So you you know this little bit of therapy that I've recently had has been a, about opening up the possibility that I um had beliefs about myself from my childhood and teenage years that were that are maybe incorrect and that they have forced me to behave in ways mm. that are, are not as, um, not as healthy as they could be. Yeah. And it's, and it's not massive things, but it's, it's sort of massive to me. And you know, it's, it is massive to me actually. Um, and I think one of the fantastic things about therapy is that it can help you discover that what you thought was your personality is actually just ways of being and behaving that you've been forced into by the pressures that you've been put under yeah and when you realize that it it is really important for you to be able to see a different way of being yeah there's a lot of freedom because you don't maybe you don't necessarily like those things well exactly I mean I don't like having to do 20 million things all the time otherwise (laughs) I feel like I'm a bad person yeah I I sort of do like doing that though. I you do continue like, to do it. Um, yeah. I did talk about this in therapy today because I was like, I have realized a lot of things. Um, <laughs> however, I have started to write a book and I'm starting a podcast. I know I just finished my PhD and I probably need to rest, but <clears throat> I am doing all those things. However, I feel it's in a much more healthy way. <laughs> that, yeah, no, I think that's true. Well, I would not be participating in the podcast right now if I was like, uh oh, she's yeah. doing an unhealthy podcast project. <laughs> she needs to keep busy. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I mean, you know, I do love, I do love doing a lot of things and creative that kind things. Of project. And the, my therapist was entirely supportive of the things, and she liked the fact that they were creative, and she even gave me some stairs and pointers. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was talking about the. Um, the nervous system and states of being and things like that and it was really feeding into the the book work um okay so I feel like we've gone off on a big tangent here but I wanted to sort of say to sort of describe a little bit so you get you choose a therapist so you have a look on this register right And you see somebody who's got good qualifications and they've got several years experience yeah. and they have a nice face. Maybe they have kind eyes and you think. I really hope they have kind eyes. Yeah, that's quite a nice person. And like so you. Eyes. Yeah, no. Oh, my God. So you go to therapy. Now, currently, as we are speaking, a lot of therapy is online via Zoom. The pandemic. Yeah. I mean, my therapy has been Zoom the whole way. You were... Did you do a little bit of Zoom in your back face-to-face now? Yes. Um, yeah, we did Zoom at the start uh-huh. of the pandemic, which is a, over a year ago now. Mm-hmm. It feels simultaneously like yesterday and mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Yes. Um, then when things were a bit more chill mm-hmm. here during the pandemic, I went back like alternating in-person Zoom, in-person Zoom. All right, okay. And now we're back in person because we're both vaccinated. Okay, cool. Um, But I, yeah, I think from conversations I ha- I've had with other people, I think not everyone is back in person. I think it's still a lot. Zoom is the way. Yeah, Um. so I loved it. I loved the Zoom loved thing. Zoom, yeah. I loved Zoom. I loved Zoom. And... So I think why, so I was actually talking to my therapist about it today because 
I felt like I, so I ha, I do it in my bed. Yeah. <laughs> I do it in my bed like everyone else. No, um, so I sit up in my bedroom because it's the place that I can be. The kids won't come and annoy me. And, yeah, that's, you know, yeah. at times when schools weren't on and, you know, we were locked down or whatever, I could go to my bedroom and close the door. And so I sit on the bed um, with the pillows behind me. I'm super comfortable. But I feel like it facilitated me opening up more quickly than I would have necessarily if I had gone to a strange counselling room and been distracted by the picture on the wall or the formality. Yes. With that therapist, that was your first Mm -hmm. experience of seeing her because mine was not the same. Yes. And I feel like this is why we're two good sides of the coin on this particular issue. Yeah. Because. I presumed that everybody felt like Zoom was lesser because everybody hates Zoom in general. But yeah. I thought for therapy, people would presume that Zoom was lesser. Um, and so I mentioned this to her with fully expecting her to say, yes, but it'll be great when we get back to face to face. And she felt very differently about it. She feels that it is much more focused because you can see the whole of the person's face and all their expressions and all the subtle expressions right. on your screen in a way that you can't in person. That's a what? what? She, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm really surprised that you said that. That's so interesting. That's interesting to me. Um, And because I did feel that there was an advantage for me in terms of how I um approached therapy, uh, I might have been more inclined to cancel a few sessions if I hadn't have been just having to go up to my room and log yeah, on. I didn't think about that either because I never cancel because I like I'm dying to go to therapy yeah. every week. I'm like, oh my god, yes, get on the bus. <laughs> so, I, in fact, I was more likely to cancel Zoom sessions because, especially during like the start of the pandemic, I was just like, I fucking can't be bothered. Yeah. I think my approach is very much like that's a thing I attend you do not mess around it's like a it's like mm-hmm. a job yeah I treat it like a job so in the same way that you wouldn't just be like I don't feel like coming to work today I don't do that with therapy whereas with Zoom I was like it doesn't matter like okay. she's not gonna have to I don't have to leave on time so it made it much less official for me or something because oh, I was okay. like oh she's just on my computer so yeah. like it's not real yeah so I didn't treat it the same with the same I don't know reverence or importance or something interesting okay weirdly I think probably because we were you know globally traumatized at the time I don't really remember any of my zoom sessions from like the beginning of the pandemic yeah I'm like what we probably just talked about like oh I'm so worried about the pandemic Mm -hmm. for six weeks or something yeah um so in my mind it's a pot it was a pause yeah. But your experience is totally different. Well, I did start a lot later. I started essentially towards, you know, I I actually don't even know how long I've been going for this session and we're just pausing for the summer now, but um uh I started going a lot later, so I was, you know, if I had gone at the start of the pandemic, I think I would have been the same. I was like a rabbit in headlights at the start of the pandemic, and I think yeah. a lot of people were, you know, so... It's hard um, to talk about anything else. Yes, it was all-encompassing yeah. at that time. But I don't want to focus on that too much, because goodness knows when this will come out. We could be all like, pandemic schmandemic <laughs> by the time we <laughs> actually get three episodes recorded and get them edited and get them sent to somewhere. Um... So I wanted to read to you about, in terms of engaging in therapy, Yeah, I wanted to um, talk a little bit about, uh, in terms of how you start therapy, what Freud's view was about the fundamental rule. Yeah. Um, so when he was trying to describe the process of therapy, Freud said that it required really only one thing of patients, that they must say everything that comes into their head, even if it is disagreeable for them to say it. And Freud called this the fundamental rule of therapy and the only route to successful treatment. And this rule flies in the face of all our impulses. Civilized life constantly requires us to censor what we say in order to be deemed good. Very little of what we are actually feeling or thinking makes it out into the world or even into our conscious minds for long. This may help us in certain situations, but it can also, Freud knew, make us deeply sick. Mm. 
There are tricky or disagreeable ideas that we need to be able to entertain without cleaning them up so we can liberate ourselves from their subterranean grip. According to therapeutic theory, we grow sick when we fail to understand our own more troubling desires and fears, when the story we tell ourselves about who we are no longer tallies with the truth. The consulting room is a unique space where we can finally dare to look beneath the surface. For their part, therapists are unshockable and without any desire to moralise. They know human nature and their own minds deeply enough never to be surprised. As we watch them accept our darkest secrets with calm and patience, we grow more confident about our own acceptability. We no longer have to keep so many things from ourselves and grow at ease with our underlying strangeness and wondrous oddity. Features we share with pretty much everyone on the planet. And just to credit that, that is from... Uh, 20 key concepts from the history of therapy from the schoolofLife.com and their little beautiful set of postcard sized bits of information about therapy. It's very beautiful. But I think this fundamental rule is so true. If yes, you go to therapy, sick. yeah, if you go to therapy and you are like, if you keep up the pretense, because a lot of what we do in life is pretense. If you keep that up in the therapy room, yeah. you're not going to get to the heart of the problem. Well, what's the point? Totally. Like, what go in and like be like? Okay, I go to therapy and go in and continue to, <laughs> to be normal. The only difference is like you're in there and you're pay- you're paying. Yeah, I mean, I think you're wasting your time and money if you're not going in and being honest about why you're there, what you think, yeah. you know, what the problems are. Even if it takes a bit of time to get under the surface and get to the bottom of it, um. You're not going to resolve anything if you go in and pretend that you want to complain about somebody else for an yeah. hour, or 50 minutes, you know? I mean, it might make you feel better <laughs> to go in and complain sure, about like, but... somebody who melts your life, but it's, I think, the more interesting way to approach it is like, why, what is it about them that makes me feel so bad? Yes. And what are my ways of dealing with it? Um, but you, you know, it's uncomfortable. Like, you can't really do that sort of thing without looking at yourself and being like oh man yeah. there's a thing that I'm not really that happy about and that's it's not pleasant for anyone and I don't think that everybody is ready for it at any point necessarily you know I think you have to be ready to look at yourself at in that level of with that level of scrutiny you have to be able to accept the shame that will come along with it because you're not going to like everything that you say. Yeah. You just won't. We were talking about shame yesterday. I was in therapy yesterday evening. Ah. And we were talking about shame. Um, and I was kind of saying, like, it's such a difficult concept to get to get to grips with. Like, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and she said something really amazing. That was the... The counter to shame is connection. Mm-hmm. I was Empathy like, is the what? opposite of shame. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, that, I think I was struggling with the whole concept of it before. Um, and it's kind of a difficult thing to talk about anyway, because of the nature of it. Um, and when she said that, I was like, okay, I, I think I'm getting more of a grip because knowing what the opposite of it is helps me kind of place it mentally mm-hmm. or something. Um, but I mean, that's exactly what you're saying. Like, you are not going to go into a therapy session and say something that's going to make them recoil in horror. Mm. And if you are, if that's happening, maybe that's not the person. Might not be the right therapist. <laughs> the if they're person. recoiling in horror, they're like that 17-year-old girl that you walked <laughs> to therapy with, you know. they sh- Aghast. I, I remember. Yeah, that's, that's never a good sign. But no. it's about like... um being able to being like okay there's a room that I go to whether it's in person online I can say all of the worst parts mm. I can say them to another person they're not going to recoil in heart and it's like practice yeah like integrating those uncomfortable bits into yourself so then you can go back into the real world and know that they're in there and be fine Yes. And function normally. And also I think that a lot of the time you'll be surprised by how tolerable those parts of yourself that you're most ashamed of actually are. When you speak them out loud, you might find that you're not as disgusting or as intolerable or as as bad in inverted commas as 
you think you are, uh, somebody at some point has let you down and communicating to you that that you should feel that way about about yeah. yourself because shame under incorrect impressions yes. about yourself and your relationships absolutely because shame comes from other people into us it's it's comes from our relationships and it's imposed upon us usually yes. and then we internalize it and believe it about ourselves um like a virus <laughs> yes it's like a virus so but and it is a very toxic feeling and it's something that we will probably spend an entire um episode on i would say oh, baby i didn't expect that we would bring up shame actually this deep for first first episode content, we've gone pretty deep guys and we better we better kind of um move on i think we are wanting to finish each of our episodes with a <laughs> real life dilemma get our teeth into some real um problems so we are asking that you send us um your problems uh yes. troubles dilemmas difficulties and we will have a regular agony ant corner yeah um or maybe uh you know agony ante maybe that's less formal what, oh my god what about agony niece agony ante and agony niece yeah because i'm your niece yeah <laughs> so um hannah has a problem would you like to read a problem for so, us Hannah? because this is our first episode we couldn't make the call out obviously beforehand so I just had to get a friend to send me a problem mm-hmm. so they write I have a colleague who is vaccine hesitant this is in the context of the COVID vaccinations um I really like this person and in in normal life I would be very dismissive of this kind of person how can I have a conversation with them without losing my rag or ruining our friendship Okay. That's very interesting, and it's very, very current problem that we might encounter in this this land where we're all being called for vaccines all the time, mm-hmm. and some people have different opinions on that. And um, the vaccines aren't mandatory, but they're strongly encouraged. Yeah, I was, for one, very grateful to get mine, and my second one is next week. Oh, it's next week. Mm-hmm. Mine's soon. I yeah. Similarly, I was pumped to get my vaccine yeah um uh yeah what it removed your... a lot of fear for me getting the vaccine because i felt um that i i felt the risk of very serious illness was removed and i'm not vaccine hesitant in any way my children are fully vaccinated so i don't have that worry but i understand that some people are very worried because they don't understand everything to do with vaccines and they don't necessarily trust the people administering the vaccines. I mean, I would be lying if I said I understood how this vaccine works, but my... We don't have time to go into that. We're not... Podcast. This is not a science podcast, No. Um, so I think the que- how I would approach this is the question is not really like... To, know, to, to educate me to on educate how vaccines, vaccines work, yeah. Let's all just assume that anyone listening knows about vaccines. Yes, and also, can I just say that the point that you just made about um, going to therapy and not talking about the problem that you have with another person, I think this person's problem, what they're asking for is how they can approach this. They don't want to get angry with this person that they yeah, are not, fond of. They're not asking, how do I make them get a vaccine? Yes, That's exactly. They don't want to change their minds necessarily. Yeah, They want to be able to talk to them yeah and not lose their rag yeah how can i say how can i have a conversation with them without losing my rag and ruining a friendship so they are talking they're kind of talking about themselves as much yeah. as the other person they're saying i obviously did this is disagreement mm-hmm. it's quite a big disagreement in our current um people feel very culture. strongly about it yeah and it can be one of those things that becomes like an identity you know, anti-vaxxers yeah. and pro-vaxxers. It's like the the whole, you know, separating people thing. Mm-hmm. And I think this person wants to avoid that. Yes. And I think with therapy, the one of the first things you approach anybody with, the client with, is a, a lack of judgment. So you try to suspend your judgment. Um, you're not, you're not uh, just really going to moralize their behavior or say whether it's right or wrong 
um, you want to understand their experience of it and, um, and help them facilitate them, you know, coming through that. So first of all, maybe she could try and take a non-judgmental attitude yeah. because ordinarily she says she would judge yes. people if she encountered them in real. She uses the word dismissive. I she would be, be very dismissive. dismissive this kind of person. <gasps> okay. Yeah. So, but she recognizes that. That's the thing. And she recognizes that and she doesn't want to do it with this person that she is fond of and has, you know, cares about and wants to keep her relationship with. So removing the judgment. What you give this person? How can they have a conversation? So I would say you start with, I understand that you're worried. It can be hard to know what to do when you don't feel like you fully understand um, the ins and outs of things. Um, and that can be hard. I mean, that that's a truly non-judgmental thing is just to say that's that's difficult that you feel like that. Personally, I am very glad to get the vaccine. Yeah. It's a, like it's interesting because so they're colleagues. Mm hmm. Um, and I'm kind of imagining that they have been through the past year of the pandemic together. Mm hmm. So maybe a good place to start would be like, listen, we've both been through this crazy thing. Mm-hmm. nobody in our lifetime has really experienced this and now I see us going down different paths mm-hmm. and why why do you think you're taking that path and what is it that doesn't make you want to come on my path yeah or, or that sounds very sort of come to Jesus or something but like <laughs> <laughs> kind of starting from the point of we've had this shared experience mm-hmm. I really don't want us to go different ways yeah um tell me more about why you're feeling this way yeah. or where has it changed for you? Yeah. Um, tr- like not being like, well, I think you should do this and you should get the vaccine and you're sure. wrong, you're wrong, wrong. Cause that's blamey and kind of, it's just going to drive them further into their position. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I think that's a place of like, we're in this together, man. Kindness. Yeah. That is very kind. That's what I was thinking about when you were saying that it was sort of saying, um, a kindness and a togetherness, in, in that, you know, their colleagues, they're, they're going through this thing together. Um, I mean, if you wanted to point out a fact, you could just say that, <laughs> you know, billions of people have had it at this point and, um, there's no evidence of ill effects. This is you why know? you're Dr. Anna Lydon. Well, the, just the, you know, the people who are on the comment section saying people are dying, people are, it's one of the safest, um, medical treatments that there is. There's always side effects for things, but there's no evidence of um, being becoming magnetic. There's no, no. evidence of uh, <laughs> infertility. There's actually there's a very very low risk of blood clots, but it's much lower than many other common medications that women, for example, are given regularly. Yeah. Um, that's been my kind of go-to thing if I've ever encountered any conversations mm-hmm. about like oh I'm not sure about the blood clot thing I'm like picture it you're 15 you go to your doctor you ask for the pill yeah or your auntie pill. takes you <laughs> yeah or your auntie takes you <laughs> later you talk about it on a podcast um yeah but that is a much higher risk and it's kind of given with no real acknowledgement or warning or kind of like oh hey caution you know I totally anyway. understand people's um, concerns about it, and I understand it as well because um, it's you actually feel different about it when it's your children. So w- whenever children come are offered the vaccine, um, I have slightly more hesitancy than I would about myself getting the oh. vaccine because as a parent, you're so protective of your children. Sure, um, you want to know that this has the fucking gold stamp on it like before it goes in your child's body so I, yeah. I understand that I do and also because oh, my good. my two have allergies I'm gonna have to bring up that I'm gonna have to go hi they have allergies is it gonna be okay and they might be like oh ooh, you have to have this particular one we'll have yeah. to wait for it and uh there's been a couple of years where Charlie hasn't got his flu back because um he's allergic to egg and so he has to get a particular one because the flu vaccines are Got egg in them? They are made in eggs. They're incubated in eggs. Fucking hell. Or egg embryos or something. I was joking um, that they actually are. Yeah, egg. no, they, they have, they're in common contact with egg in some way. So he has to get a special My one. blown by that. Yeah, it's to get a special one. And then there's been times where it just hasn't happened. And um, 
he actually was down for his flu vaccine. We were waiting on it coming into the surgery, the special order coming in, and he got the flu Aww. just two years ago. Now, um, he likely would have got a much lesser version of the flu. He might not necessarily yeah. have not had the flu. It might have seemed like a cold or a query virus or something like that. It was bad luck. Yeah. Um, again, I don't want to get into this too much, but the flu vaccine doesn't prevent the flu. The COVID vaccine doesn't prevent COVID. It educates your body about it. It's like um, having a driving test before you go driving in a car. It's like learning yeah. how to drive before you go out in the car. So you know what all the controls do. So that you know what it does and you're less likely to immediately crash and kill yourself. If you don't have those instructions, you are going to be more dangerous. It's going to be more dangerous, yeah. basically. So the vaccine it's is just giving your body instructions to make it less dangerous. People get annoyed because they say it doesn't prevent you catching it, doesn't prevent you passing it on. That is true, but it, it prevents most of the hospitalization and death. So, that, I mean, come on, that guys. That sounds pretty good to me. It is pretty good. I don't know. However, that's not this person's problem. She doesn't want to convince her with the yeah. facts. She doesn't want a pamphlet to give to the person. <laughs> she wants to know why she might shout at her good friend yeah if she has to have a conversation about it that's a good point as well like i think everyone's nerves are afraid oh yeah to put it lightly um given the pandemic experience that we've had um so this this kind of conversation these conversations about vaccines or like masks are coming at the end of people's tether yeah so they're suddenly like oh my god why would you do this in this late stage of the game? Yeah. So you can We're see, nearly out of it. Come please on. Just do the thing. So you can see why there's it's such a loaded topic. Mm-hmm. Um and fair play to them for writing in because like I think avoidance would be my main tactic in in dealing with this. Like maybe I just don't talk about that with that with that friend. Yeah. And if it comes up I change change the subject because I don't want to get heated I don't want them to feel attacked mm-hmm. um so it's kind of it's a it's a spicy subject I me. love the way you use the word spicy and it's <laughs> one of my favorite things that you say but yes it is it's a delicate topic and um I think we just have to thank that person for you know considering their problem taking the time to ask questions about it and I trust that if they're asking those pro- questions um, then they're going to try and approach it with kindness and with delicacy, yes. and rather than with shaming. Yes, because that's what we were saying about shame. Mm-hmm. That's not. It's not a productive thing. It's not conducive to learning or making new associations. No, the and opposite its antidote is connection. <laughs> My God, it's all coming together. It is. Um. So I think that's a really good place to to leave it. Um, you may have noticed that we didn't probably directly answer the question. We just discussed it. So if you have a, a kind of low stakes problem that mm. you um, would like some solicited advice about yeah. in an anonymous fashion. Yeah, we like um, to be solicited for advice. We yeah. don't want to just start fucking offering it. Even we, we're kind of doing that, we've got a podcast. Yeah, no, we will. We will definitely offer the advice for sure. Um Please do um, send that to us. Um, we will be on Twitter and Instagram. I Probably not Facebook. Uh, well, we. Will you do the Twitter? I mean, we have to be on Twitter. You can't not be on Twitter. So st- it stresses me out. It was anytime I see a tweet, I'm like, oh god. You can you you do Twitter. Okay, you, we braver. actually. I was listening to another podcast. You were talking about social media because it's so awful and (laughs) I just hate it so much. But Facebook is now um, like the age range of Facebook has gone up so much that you just, I feel too young for Facebook. This is from mostly from a music point of view. So in order to get reach with the music, Facebook is out now, really. Um, Instagram is still there, but it's crumbling. I love Instagram. And, um... TikTok is the thing, and I'm too old for TikTok. I think we're both too old for TikTok. I literally wouldn't even know what to do with it. Yeah, it makes me nervous. And I don't want to 
point at the screen while music plays and put words <laughs> no. up. I, d- I don't want to do that. I don't want to point at different corners of the screen while music plays. You, this is not a visual medium, but yeah. she's doing it and it looks stupid. No offense. Yeah. It does look stupid. And Let's make a TikTok. I can't do it. Oh my God, it's going to happen. I just yeah. know it. <laughs> I'm right. do the dances. Okay, so we're going to um, finish for today. Next week, we are going to be doing um, types of therapy. Yeah. Because we feel like we've got to cover the bases before we get on to things like shame and attachment. The big and stuff. Yeah, the big stuff. Um, and awesome. please do send us your problems Although if we get inundated, like, you know, we can't, is it going to become an, we're going to have a spin-off podcast, Agony Aunties and Agony Nieces? Okay. Oh my God, we'll do mini-sodes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. We've had a great time and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Emma. Thanks, Thanks therapy. therapy.